At first, it was just one sheep per day. But as the deadly dragon grew more powerful, he demanded more and more. Soon it was the people of Silene themselves, so intense was his insatiable hunger, his desperate desire for more and more. Until, until one day a courageous knight named George agrees to confront the dragon. After a long and bloody battle, George finally defeats the cruel beast, saves the princess, and rescues the town. With what weapon did George slay the dragon? A spear? A lance? A sword? Maybe, just maybe, the dragon was slain by love. Welcome to Slain by Love, your weekly sermon podcast from the pulpit of St. George's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Y'all, please be seated and good morning. Poor Sisyphus. I don't know if y'all remember Sisyphus. No, I'm not talking about the barley wine brewed by real ale a few years ago. No, no, no. Not the beer, but the mythological character Sisyphus. Poor Sisyphus. In that ancient myth, that ancient myth, that Greek story called the myth of Sisyphus, the founding king of Corinth, that's who Sisyphus was. He was the founding king of Corinth, and he had gotten on the bad side of the top god, Zeus. Apparently, he had given away some of Zeus's secrets to some of Zeus's enemy, and as punishment for crossing the god, Sisyphus was given a lifelong, never-ending sentence. He is made to carry this huge boulder, this huge boulder up a very steep hill, attempting to place that boulder at the very top of that hill. And yet, just as Sisyphus would finally reach the top of that hill after back-breaking effort, just as he would reach the top of the hill with the boulder after hours of work, After gallons of sweat, the gods would cause that boulder to slip through his fingers and to roll back down all the way to the bottom of that hill where Sisyphus had to begin the frustrating, back-breaking task all over again. What meaninglessness. What futility. Now, y'all, what is a myth if it's not a human attempt to put into words an experience that is common to all of us? You see, that kind of frustration, that kind of humility, that kind of tedium is not unique to Sisyphus. Maybe you know how Sisyphus feels. Whether it comes to your work, your marriage, relationships, whatever, your children, your health, sometimes it can feel like life has that sense of futility, a kind of exhaustion, can it not? Recently, I spoke with someone uh, who is selling his business, and this is very much the sense of things that I got from this friend. Uh, He was tired. He felt like giving up. He was exhausted. Or maybe it's raising kids, right? Uh, How many times have we heard stories 
about new parents, especially new moms, especially when they give birth for the first time, they're so overwhelmed by the demands, the needs of this little baby, that they do unspeakable things. Maybe you know how Sisyphus feels. The exhaustion, the tedium, the frustration. Now, G.K. Chesterton has a strikingly different view of the world. Chesterton says this, quote, the sun rises every morning. Now, to put the matter in a popular phrase, it might be true that the sun rises regularly because he never gets tired of rising. His routine might be due not to a lifelessness, but to a rush of life. The thing I mean can be seen, for example, in children. In children, when they find some game or joke that they specially enjoy, a child kicks his legs rhythmically through excess, not absence, of life. Because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he's nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. Perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we, close quote. Dear friends, today we come to Acts chapter 2, this story of the day of Pentecost when the risen, ascended Jesus, that's right, Jesus does something on the day of Pentecost. Today we come to this story in Acts chapter 2 when the risen, ascended Jesus does the next thing in our story. When he pours out, when he dumps out his Holy Spirit on the church. What is that? What's going on with this little story in our larger story? The short answer, a lot. But what really grabs me, what, 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 what really captured my attention, my imagination this morning is this. Do you know how St. Paul describes this event? It's in Romans 8, 11. St. Paul says that the spirit that Jesus poured out upon the church on the day of Pentecost, this is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It's this spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Now, biblically, that word spirit is the Hebrew word ruach. Yes, I'm going to make you say it. Let me hear you say ruach. At the very beginning of our story, our story called the Bible, at the very beginning of our story, in the creation 
stories of Genesis 1 and 2, we read that this Ruach Elohim, this spirit of God, was there. At the beginning of creation, hovering like a mama bird, hovering over the surface of the mysterious depths of the world. And when God did a new thing, when God brought light out of darkness, when God brought order out of chaos, when God made the land and the seas, the plants and the animals, the male and the female, guess what? The Holy Spirit was there. Because you see, that is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit brings order out of chaos, light out of darkness. The Holy Spirit makes things new. Is there anyone in the room in need of newness this morning? The Holy Spirit makes things new. The Holy Spirit brings about a new creation. And so one of the things going on in this story of Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church, is this. A new creation is being born. Just as the freshly minted, the freshly resurrected body of Jesus was a down payment, a down payment on the new heavens and the new earth, so also here the Holy Spirit is empowering the church to continue, this is what I'm trying to say this morning, to continue the resurrection life of Christ. Order out of chaos, light out of darkness, all things made new. Dear friends, this is what the church is about. So what does that look like, brass tacks, right? It looks like the formation of a new community. A new community where hurting people can come. A new community where hurting people can come and experience something new. What will they experience? Let's say a person comes maybe to a party, maybe to a service of Holy Eucharist. Let's just say that a person comes who, I don't know, has been struggling with depression. That person comes, and what, what does that person experience? She experiences the beauty of holiness. I'm talking about people worshiping God in spirit and in truth. She will experience authentic relationships. I'm talking about folks loving and serving one another, not in a way that's fake, like we have to be shiny, happy people all the time. No but rather in a way that, that shows that, you know, yes, I've had a rough week. I've had a tough week, but I know that Jesus is real. And I know that, that my brothers and sisters in this place, they love me. And I know that in this place called St. George's, in this family called the body of Christ, I know that here God will take care of me. God will take care of me through them. And because of God, I can serve others with real authenticity. You see, that is what the depressed person will experience, or the broke person, or the confused person. This is what they will experience. They will experience a new data point. They will taste something 
that the world cannot offer, that the world cannot produce, that the world cannot explain away. I don't know if you noticed, but in the, in the Acts chapter 2 passage, they said that they were drunk, right? That was an attempt for the world to explain something away. But no, this thing that is experienced in this new community cannot be explained away. She will taste the power of the Holy Spirit. Not in some fabricated way, but in a way that's real, genuine, and loving. That is the very opposite of the Sisyphus experience. Because what Sisyphus is trying to do is futile and forced and exhausting, something doomed to fail. But this, this reality of the Holy Spirit in the church, the people of God, it's not forced. It's not futile. It's not exhausting. No, it's organic. It flows. It flows. That word ruach, which you all said a minute ago, it's an onomatopoeia, kind of like, kind of like, you know, boom or pow or swoosh. Can you hear the word, the, the, the wind? Can you feel the breath, the wind flowing through your teeth when you say that? Ruach, gushing through your teeth. Ruach, you see, it flows. It's not forced. It's amazing. It flows. I love how Bouquet blew when she read the gospel in Laotian. See, the Holy Spirit, it's not forced. She flows. It's life-giving. It's energy-giving. It's way better than a monster energy drink or a Red Bull. Jesus has poured his Holy Spirit out on the church, and it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And y'all, it's not just about the church as a community either. It's also about you and me as an individual. Are you, are you a baptized person today? Do you have faith in Jesus? Do you even want to have faith in Jesus? Do not forget. I will not let you forget as the preacher. I will not let you forget that weak faith, fledgling faith, mustard seed faith. That is good enough. God will take that and work with it. If you are a baptized person this morning who believes in Jesus or who even wants to believe in Jesus or who even wants to want to believe in Jesus, guess what? The scriptures say that you have the Holy Spirit living deep down inside of you. Now, sometimes you don't feel it, right? Sometimes you don't feel it. Sometimes it's elusive, as if it will slip through your fingers. But the Holy Spirit is there like a still, small voice. Your job, my job, is to eliminate distractions in your life, cultivate stillness and prayer, and most of all, most of all, to ask. Just ask. Ask for more. If we ask God for bread, will God give us a stone? No, just ask. More, Lord, give me more. More of the Spirit's presence. More of the Spirit's power. 
If you belong to Jesus, you have a power in your life that is indestructible. I don't know if you remember or if you saw my favorite movie, at least it's in the top three, Punch Drunk Love, circa 2002. P.T. Anderson, my favorite director, Punch Drunk Love. Uh, it's an amazing film uh, starring the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman, as well as Adam Sandler in one of his first non-comedic roles. Sandler's character, Barry Egan, is incredibly wimpy. I mean, he's like, when I think of that kid story diary of a wimpy kid, I see Barry Egan. I see a picture of Barry Egan. He's wimpy. He's the consummate wimp stuck in the body of a full-grown man. He lets people push him around, including all three of his sisters. He's constantly living in fear. Meanwhile, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, Dean Trumbull, is the owner of a seedy business. He's kind of like a mob boss. He's super scary, super abusive, super bullying. And basically, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character succeeds in pushing Barry around, bullying Barry, manipulating him, stealing money from him over and over again until, until, until Barry falls in love, until Barry falls in love with a very special woman named Lena, and now, finally, Barry becomes strong. Near the end of the film, he finally stands up to the bully. He walks into his office. He doesn't even knock the door. He just pushes through the door, barges through the door, walks into his office, looks him in the eye and says, I've got a love in my life that's more powerful than anything you can possibly imagine, anything you can possibly understand. The abusive mob boss does not know what to do, and the formerly wimpy Barry Egan emerges victorious. You see, dear friends, you have a love in your life. You have that love in your life. You have the promised Holy Spirit. You have in your mortal body and in your soul the same spirit, the same power, the same love that overcame death, that could not keep Jesus Christ in the grave. The same love that raised him from the dead. That is why Saint, That is why Barry Egan could stand up to the bully. That is why we can stand up to the bullies. That is why St. Paul could say crazy things like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And dear friends, that on this Pentecost Sunday, that is why you can say that too. Happy Pentecost. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.